Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam. My name is Jeremy. And we are here to discuss Uncanny X-Men number 176, the December 1983 issue, published September 6th of 1983, cover price of 60 cents, and this one is titled simply, Decisions. I didn't read X-Men number 176, Adam. I read the next three episode, or issues of Dazzler. Oh, no. I thought this was going to be another one of those kooky clip episodes. <laughs> Where we just do Dazzler? That makes no sense at all. Oh, I must have misread your email that you didn't send me that I made up. <laughs> yes, you definitely misread that email that I never wrote. Okay. No, no problem, Adam. I've read this issue many times. We'll be able to get through it. I hope. Okay. <laughs> On the cover of this one is Cyclops, and he is being dragged underwater, I think, by some sort of space tentacle creature. Well, you can tell it's water because he's got air bubbles coming out of his mouth. Maybe, or maybe they're space bubbles. Mm. I've read the issue, <laughs> and um, I'm going to have to say it's definitely water. All right. Fair enough. And uh, in an interesting thing that maybe we'll talk about later if we can remember, Cyclops is blowing up the X-Men logo with his optic beams. Oh, we'll definitely talk about that later. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, that, and that's, that's really all there is to say about this cover. This is a cover by John Romita Jr. John Romita who? John Romita Jr. Oh. The, the child of John Romita. John Romita Sr.'s son? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, and as we open this thing up, we find out that it is written by Chris Claremont. John Romita Jr. is, in fact, the penciler. Bob Wiesack is still inking. Glennis Ween is the colorist. Uh, Tom Orzakowski's lettering. Luis Jones is editing. And Heem Shooter, Senor Heem, is editor-in-chief. I am editoring and jeeving. <laughs> Although we will find... We, it was terrible. Although, that's why I kept on going at him. Uh, we will find out, though, that it is still uh, Assistant Editor Month. Yes. Well, it's it's December. Yeah. And, and it's this, the uh, the annual came out at the same time as this issue. Yeah. But but this one's way better than the annual. Yeah. Well, this one this one's in continuity. <laughs> and we uh, we see that uh, big full panel splash of John Romita Senior Son. Uh, displaying his penciling chops with Cyclops, or Scott Summers, I should say, uh, laying on a big old smacker onto Madeline Pryor. Who says, Top of the the morning to you, Mrs. Summers. Because they got married, you know. So, John Romita Jr. Uh, John Romita Sr.'s son. Is still around today. And his style has, uh, it's very, it's very recognizable today. It's not so recognizable in this issue, but you can see the, the beginnings of it. What? Uh, yes. So, I mean, John Romita Jr. definitely has his own style. And I can tell you that uh, growing up, I never cared for it. Well, but... here's the thing. I like it in this issue. Oh, I like it a lot too. I mean, I... in about, in about, 20 years, I'm going to not like it. And then 20 years after that, I'll like it again. Hmm. Like this. Oh, wait, this... this is 1980. So 20 years from then would be 2000s. Yeah, I didn't like it in the 2000s, but now I like it. Yeah, it's, that's like 20 and 15. Yeah, it was close. But still... Let's say 15 and 15. Okay, fair enough. Um, okay. I, what did he do in the 2000s that you did not like? I don't know. I just, his... I don't think his style works for the X-Men, and I think he did X-Men. Okay. Whereas I think his style works for stuff like Kick-Ass and, and uh, um, Spider-Man, for sure. Yeah. 
I can see that. So what I get off of John Romita Sr.'s son's artwork is that he's not uh, into sharp edges. He likes curves. He is... Mm, he becomes his his artwork becomes very blocky. I feel, but but I don't think he's very blocky yet. No, no. And so, uh, as I, like I said, as a kid, I didn't care for the artwork, but that was because I was just a stupid kid who couldn't recognize uh, <laughs> variations in artwork. To me, uh, and, and here's what it is, Adam. You know, when you read an Archie comic book, uh-huh. Archie always looks like Archie. That's true. Even Predator versus Archie looks like Archie. Exactly. Nobody draws Archie differently. Nobody puts their own spin on Archie. I think he's had uh, some evolutions in the like 120 years that he's been around. But I mean, I think through every evolution, he's just stayed the same. Um, well, there's, there's the modern Archie comics where okay, it's, not, fair, it's not in that style at all. Fair enough. That's a, that's a, that, but that, that, all right. That, that doesn't are, you, count. are you reading the Archie Zombie comics? You should be reading that. <laughs> My point is, is that every artist that comes onto the X-Men adds their own touch to the characters, which is fine. But growing up, I was like, this is different and scary. Well, I know what I'm going to get you for Christmas. I'll pick you up a hardcover of Archie Afterlife. That, that sounds awesome. <laughs> I haven't read any of like the Archie Punisher or I don't. Is there really a zombie Archie? Yeah. Wow. That's that that sounds like it has potential. Apparently it's very dark. <laughs> it would have to be. Uh I could just imagine Walking Dead in Riverdale. Is Ar- pr- that's pretty much the story. <laughs> is Archie Rick? Uh no, no. It's it's very it's very embedded in the Archie universe. Archie is Archie. Oh. So is he still asking for dates even though the zombies are coming? Well, it's not zany. Mm. It's very realistic. And apparently it's very messed up. Mm. Okay. Well, <laughs> so it, take, it takes like all of those Archie situations that are kind of absurd and you take them for granted. Mm-hmm. And it examines them and makes them very creepy. <laughs> so, I don't know, it, it sounds interesting. I kind of want to read it. Yeah, but. it sounds totally intriguing. But anyways, this is not the Archie cast. I'm sure that the Archie <laughs> cast exists somewhere. Every episode is exactly like the previous episode. <laughs> uh, but anyways, yes. Uh, so, so Scott Summers and Madeline Pryor are kissing. And it turns out that the place in which they are kissing is the cockpit of an airplane. Scott! <laughs> yes. At least give me a chance to engage. Oh, man. I, I do not have a Jean Grey anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's Madeline Pryor. I know, but it's the same voice. Who, who may have the same, who definitely has the same voice as Jean Grey. Oh, wait, you do it, <clears> and I'll, I'll try to imitate it. Uh, it's been a while. <clears throat> At least give me a chance to engage the autopilot, or would you rather swim the rest of the way to Bora Gora? I feel like it's turned into a very angry Marge Simpson. <laughs> Maybe I need to listen to some old episodes. I think we do. At least give me a chance to... No, I can't even do it. I'll go anywhere, do anything, so long as it's with you, my darling. Give me a break. (laughs) Guys, just sound like a dude. (laughs) So uh, he's like, better yet, let's try another kiss. This old crate can fly herself for a while. They go back and they... And they do it. And apparently they've been doing it a lot. (laughs) But I mean, I guess they're newlyweds, right? So good, good on them. Bet you never realized that was an incorrigible, incorrigible romantic. Incorrigible, that's for sure. I don't know if incorrigible is the word I would use. <laughs> I took, or romantic. I took, there was nothing romantic about that. <laughs> it was it was actually pretty dirty and uh, fast. Uh, There's a lot of doing it. I'm talking about your eyes, your deadly eyes. And after you were done, you cried. That was kind What's of a turn hat. <laughs> yeah. So they're they're landing and and Jean or not Jean Madeline, she's like, um, you know, if we keep doing it this much, neither of us will survive our honeymoon. And Cyclops is like, true, but what a way to go. Doing it. And, and dang. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, there's a storm apparently that's coming up on their tail. Um, so they got to kind of stay in front of it and that's what they got to do. But, uh, as sometimes happens, 
the storm gets ahead of them. But not before they, uh, Madeline asks one of the questions that we never got an answer to, which is, uh, are you going to join your dad aboard the Starjammer? Uh, I don't know, but maybe that's something we should have discussed before we got married. <laughs> well, they did. Yeah, but they never... Maybe we I should mean, have come up with a conclusion before we got <laughs> married. Presumably they've been discussing it on the road for weeks. And <laughs> she, they, I don't know, maybe they stopped talking about it for a while because she's bringing it up like they haven't talked about it for a couple days. I don't know. I mean, these guys went to Japan and came back. This is a weird conversation. <laughs> well, no, uh, I'm running out of time, too. They'll be warping out of orbit soon. Uh <laughs> If I stay, I may never see him again. If I go with him, I may never see the Earth. Yow! <laughs> well, so lightning strikes the plane in the middle of this conversation. Yeah, uh, the the, uh, the storm managed to get ahead of them, which, I don't know, I, I, I met this guy recently. It was maybe a couple months ago who was a plane uh, pilot. And uh, a friend of mine asked him to tell some stories about some dangerous flights he was in. Yeah. And this, this actually reminds me of that a lot, where just things things go out of control very quickly. And you never know how, like, you end up chasing, you're, you have a storm chasing you, and suddenly you end up running right into a, a really heavy cloud thing, that uh, cloud formation that kind of rocks your ship, and you're all, like, shaky, you can't see anything. It sounded terrifying. Yeah, it sounds horrible. My question, though, is like if the if if Cyclops goes with the Star Jammers, is Madeline coming with, or are they going to have a long distance relationship? Yeah, I think. I mean, I was guessing that she would be coming with, but they never really talk about that. I mean, they just got married, so I would imagine, like, hey, I'm getting married to you, but I also might go off to the Star Jammer. This is so. <laughs> Uh, do you want to go with and, and and that way when we get married we can stay together? And she'd be like yes or no. <laughs> right. So it almost sounds like if I'm to make a uh, jump to a conclusion, she will do whatever Cyclops wants to do. Right. Yes. That's that's, that's what I gathered. So, anyways, yes, they get struck by lightning. They're going down. The electrical system short circuit and they go straight into the water and then we cut to Aragashima. Yeah. In northern, in northern Japanese, in the northern Japanese prefecture of Miyago. Yep. Ancestral seat of clan Yoshida in Mariko Yoshida's bedroom. Somebody, well, we can see their silhouette. It's it's Wolverine. He throws a... a it's beast. It's beast. It could be beast. It's got the points. Uh, so Beast or Wolverine throws a sword onto... Uh, or it could be Marvel Girl. Mariko. It could be Marvel Girl. I doubt it, though. It that... could be the Daredevil villain, the Owl. Yeah. But it's not. It's Wolverine. So he <laughs> he throws the ancestral sword onto her, and she's like, Wolverine! Ow! <laughs> Don't throw swords at me when I'm sleeping! <laughs> Evening, Mariko. That's your sword. I believe the honor blade of the clan. Two days ago, an imperial messenger delivered it to me in New York. I want to know why. It's yours. If that's true, you're mine as well. Nope. Oh, rats. <laughs> I gotta go. Yes, you do. So, yeah, Wolverine is calling baloney because he's like... Uh, he's figured everything out. Everybody's figured out everything, apparently. Uh, you called off the wedding because Mastermind made you, but he's beaten Mariko. Xavier did undid all of the psychic damage he caused. Everything should be just the way it used to be. Why can't it be like it was? Uh, it's not the way things work, Logan. <laughs> so, I don't know, Adam. Doesn't it feel like, like, what was the point of Mastermind doing this to Wolverine? Doesn't it feel like there was uh, uh, the foundation for a larger story? Well, uh, I will tell you this. It feels like this is a way to keep Wolverine from being married. Yeah. Because, because I feel like Chris Claremont is like, well, if I get Wolverine married, then what am I going to do with him? Hmm. So he, he and Frank Miller didn't collaborate on that? Well, no. 
Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. So he, so Chris Claremont's just trying to undo what what he did. Essentially, that's what it seems like to me. Hmm. Okay. And I don't like this. I think it's very, it's a two page resolution to something that was pretty big, and I don't think we go back to this for a while. No. So basically, she she says that uh, things aren't the same. Uh, when you killed my father, something about honor, and now it's her turn to do some honor stuff. When she was under the influence of Mastermind, she made a lot of deals and tied Clan Yoshida to the Japanese underworld, and now she has to undo them, and she can't she can't be with Logan until she does it. And he's right. like, well, let me do it. I'm Wolverine. And she's like, no, I got to do this on my own. Cause, cause you're you're one of the main characters here, and you can't be helping me out, because Chris Claremont doesn't know what to do with that. Right. And Wolverine's like, "What are you talking about? Who's Chris Claremont?" <laughs> uh, all right. So he says he he understands. Uh, you know where to reach me. Sayonara. Off he goes. Suppose you fail, then the man whom I entrusted my heart will do what must be done. Not sure what that means. <laughs> But I'm out of here. So she thinks to herself that uh, he risked all to prove himself worthy. It's only fitting that she do the same. She doesn't want to die, nor does she want to see anybody slander her in, but she's the Lord of Clan Yoshida. So she can't commit herself to Wolverine until she takes responsibility for all of the things that happened while she was under Mastermind's spell. Right? Yeah. Yep. That's she's doing the she's doing the honor bound thing yeah that's and, stupid and, yeah it's stupid <laughs> <laughs> i mean she could just be like look man i was possessed by a, a insane mutant cut me some slack this is my husband he's the best at what he does and what he does isn't being a husband no clearly so uh, back in the mid pacific the airplane that madeline and scott uh, were on is now landed in the water it does have water landing gear so that's very nice Yes. Well, it's a plane. Planes do that. Some, some, not all of them. It's very lucky that they took the water plane, though. Uh, so uh, Cyclops, or Scott, is working on the electrical system on the engines, I guess, trying to get those fixed so they can take off again. Yes. Luckily, they packed a lot of spares. So uh, apparently there's there's a big storm coming their way again. Yeah. And they're out of it now. And... Uh, Madeline says, care for a kiss hot shot? Consider it an incentive for getting us out of here. In other words, if you can get us out of here, we're going to do it again. Huh? Hold that pose, Red. Whoops. And Cyclops slips off of the plane wing into the water, but Madeline manages to, to, to catch him. And Cyclops says, don't worry, Madeline, I can swim. And that's when Jaws comes out of the water and attempts to eat Cyclops. Adam, the shark's name in the movie Jaws was not Jaws. Jaws is just the name of the movie. I know. This shark's name is Jaws. Oh. oh. <laughs> okay. Didn't, didn't, didn't you get that from this? His name is Jaws McHenry. <laughs> oh, I didn't see that little sub balloon there. <laughs> yes. The shark jumps out of the water, goes for didn't, Cyclops, didn't you, and misses. Didn't you read his word balloon? I'm Shark. I'm Jaws McHenry. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, there it is. I I didn't see that on first reading. Yep, it's a it's a very good drawing of a shark. It is. Yeah, I don't know why it's yellow. No, limited uh, four color palette they had back then. It has some sort of liver disorder. Yeah, so he's not getting enough uh, iron in his diet. So he uh, he dives back into the water. Cyclops is all like, he he missed, but I won't. And so he scrows his optic blasts at the shark in the water. Remember when he used to zit? No, not anymore. Now he's scrow. Scrow. And, and so uh, Scott and Madeline, they embrace one another. And he's like, oh, I can't believe I almost got eaten by a shark. I'm an X-Man. That would have been funny. <laughs> so how about fixing the engines and we blow this pop stand before the storm arrives to give that critter another chance? I'm, I'm going to get my, my Jean Grey back. I'm, this, 
This is the episode that I do it. I'm wait. I'm, that's going to be awesome. <laughs> so as the shark who was hit by the optic blast, who's not dead, but uh, it's kind well, of he's, just he's shaking. He's shaking off the effects of the Cyclops optic blast. Says yeah. the caption, which yeah. is the equivalent of being hit by a very big, very fast truck. So he's the shark's disoriented, just kind of floating downward. Have you ever been hit by a very big, very fast truck? Because I'm pretty sure that would kill you. No, I did once. And oh, okay. what happened was I fell in the water and just kind of floated around for a while. Oh. Yeah. And then did you get attacked by a giant octopus? Well, exactly. So, well, we don't know that that's an op- octopus, Adam. Well, it, in fact, we know it's not an octopus, but. <laughs> uh, n- no, I, I wasn't. Uh, that's where reality and this fiction separated. Because oh, okay. in this fiction, some tentacles come up from the bottom of the ocean, grab the shark, and pull it down. And a, a little word bubble says, I'm Octopus Sharkinator. <laughs> I'm Sharktopus. Oh, this is the origin of Sharktopus. It could be. Meanwhile, in Washington, D.C. Henry Peter Gyrich pulls up to the White House. He's got a meeting. It's important. It has something to do with Project Wide Awake. Remember that? I do. I do. And so we, we've got... Been a, around for a while. We've got a dude uh, whose name I don't know if we know. I don't uh, even know what his role is. His name is Judge Petrie. Yes. Secured, Nash, President's National Security Advisor. And he's up there. And he's like, mutants are doing horrible things. Like, take this Magneto guy. Back in issue 150, he took over a whole city and made him evacuate. Everybody remember that? That was crazy. Yeah. And then he destroyed the city. Yeah. So then some other dude, he's like, hey, before you continue, uh, let me introduce you to Mr. Gyrick, who we, the audience, know. And also a new person uh, from the CIA, uh, Dr. Cooper. And I'm assuming that this is Valerie Cooper. Of course. Yep was a very important figure in the X-Men universe. And I, I believe this is where we're first seeing her. I, I believe so as well. But do we ever see Judge Petrie or Frank Lowell again? Because I, I don't recognize these names. I definitely recognize Valerie Cooper. I, I do not recognize either of those two names. So these are just disposable characters that uh, are in, uh, uh, introducing us to these other characters. So uh, Henry Peter Gyrick, he sits down and he's... He's like, wow, this is pretty serious. Uh, Petrie's gathered representatives of every critical military and civilian security department in the government. What's he up to? And Frank Lowell continues. Magneto had issued a worldwide ultimatum. Either disarm all nuclear weaponry and cede absolute sovereignty to him or face annihilation. And the, the, the as we know, the Russia fired missiles and... And then Magneto destroyed the city. Yeah. But, uh, he, Wait, well, I guess he didn't destroy the city. No. Some outside agency stopped him. Right. Inexplicably, after those initial communications, nothing more was heard from him. He never carried out his ultimate threat. Either was, he was bluffing or he changed his mind or an outside agency stopped him, blah, 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 blah. But I don't even think the Avengers could stop Magneto. So there's that. And in fact, if we really think about it, the Avengers could take over the world if they wanted to. Yeah. So. So superheroes are scary. Very scary. They got powers. They could they could walk through walls. So they could think about that. Oh, I am. Wow. <laughs> Val Cooper. She approaches the podium and she's like, mutants are terrible. Why is everybody colored gold in this page? Uh, yeah. Well, that's her mutant power. Well, Frank Lowell is colored gold, too. Uh, They're all extremely tanned. (laughs) (laughs) They all had a session at the tanning beds before this meeting, and now they're a nice golden brown. Valerie Cooper, she's got a picture of Storm, Iceman, Cyclops, Colossus, Angel, Wolverine, Beast, and Nightcrawler all together in some fancy pose. Most of which, this is their only appearance. Yeah, and she somehow got uh, Nightcrawler mid-bamf, so that's a hell of a picture for her to capture on her Polaroid. Yeah. 
But yeah, so she's like, you know, the mutants could treat us like Cro-Magnum did to Neanderthal, and that would mean we wouldn't be here anymore. So that's scary. This is a weird picture. Beast is just sitting there, Indian style, mm-hmm. cross-legged. Wolverine's ready to pounce. Iceman's got his arm up on Cyclops' shoulder. Yeah. Uh, Storm is in her old hairdo. Yep. Uh, so Val, she keeps going on about mutants are everywhere. Soviet Union, Great Britain, Canada, Israel, Egypt, and the People's Republic of China. So they're everywhere, everybody. Oh, no. Imagine the damage that a mutant could do if they were telepathic. What if they were to have a civil war? Oh, that would be like like heroes fighting heroes and humans just standing by watching and, and having to deal with the aftermath. What if Captain America got shot? <laughs> well, that would probably end the civil war. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I never really read any of that. I read the Civil War miniseries, and I read the uh, – I think there was a Civil – like a like a, um, a counterpart series to it that was like told through the human's perspective. It was uh, like Frontline or something like that? Yes, like Civil War Frontline or something like that. I liked them. They were both pretty good. Yep. But then uh, I didn't read any of the Captain America stuff after the thing that happened. And, and now Captain America's black and people are mad. Are they mad? I don't know. I thought I read something about people being mad at a black cap, but who cares? Um, I, I hope people aren't mad. That would be dumb. It but, would be you dumb. know, whatever. Anyways, yeah, so Henry Peter Gyrick is like, uh, you think we should fight the foreign mutants with some of our own mutants? Is that what he's suggesting? Precisely, Mr. Gyrich, says Valerie. Or maybe she's more regal. Precisely, Mr. Gyrich. Ah, Magneto's cardinal argument, Doctor. He has been that out of greed, humanity will use mutants, enslave them, and uh, uh, out of fear, destroy them. Suppose your plans convinces them that he's right. So uh, Valerie Cooper is, in a sense, proposing a government-sponsored mutant army. Hmm, that sounds like a cool idea. Yeah. I wonder if we'll see that come to fruition in the next 20 or so issues. <laughs> hmm. Actually, <I> we might. <laughs> might even be in the next 10 issues. I... Anyways, yeah, so uh, so there's that. That's about it, you know? So that's that's the conclusion of the meeting. So we, we return our attention to the Pacific. This issue was brought to you by foreshadowing. We had lots of foreshadowing in this issue. and It's like we're, we're closing the Wolverine story and we're opening a new story. And in the and, and and in the midst of this, we have a Cyclops story. It's all bound together by a Cyclops Madeline honeymoon adventure. Dun dun dun! In which they both die horribly. Yeah, it's really a letdown. Kind of freaky. <laughs> so yeah, but before they die, uh, in the Pacific, uh, they're trying to start up the engines again. It's raining pretty hard, and uh, as they start the engine, the it makes a noise that sounds a little bit like this. Adam, that's your cue. You, you do the sound effects. Oh, I thought you were going to play a YouTube clip or something. <laughs> I wish if I was that prepared. No, no, no. It's Gurn, all... Madeline, cut the switches. I... His glasses all of a sudden look very sad. Paka to paka. Paka to 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 That kind of works. Yeah, it's a sputtering engine. It's hard to say. Yeah. Oh, and Cyclops, he's like, I was so certain I had at that time. I must be screwing up because we had so much sex earlier and I'm tired. Penny, I didn't turn out to be Phoenix like Mastermind made you all believe that I could simply fly us. Safety. Well, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and and Scott's like, if you even had the slightest conception of the reality of Phoenix, Madeline, you wouldn't make jokes. Now, Cyclops is making a valid point here, but at the same time, that's a little obnoxious. A little heavy-handed, yeah. I mean, she yeah. is kind of making light of a serious situation, which, you know, a little, little humor to cut the tension, but... She goes on and she's like, you forget, 
I'm the sole survivor of a plane that crashed and killed nearly 400 people. I know more about my share of death and resurrection and nightmare and miracles. I mean, I sneered you. How much luckier can I get? See, it's all good. <laughs> Feelings mutual, Red. Let's go inside. So they're going to go do it again. <laughs> you know, there are no storms in space. Right. Except- Except when Storm comes to visit. <laughs> and as they go in to the airplane, I don't think they're going to go do it. Uh, no, they don't go do it. They go back to work. <laughs> they go back to work on the plane. But as they go back to work on the plane, uh, a tentacle comes up, kind of looks like an elephant uh, trunk. It uh, does. Comes up out of the water and onto the tail of the plane. So meanwhile, another story ending and beginning. Yeah, we're back underneath the city. It's raining in New York, and when it rains above ground, it also rains below ground in the tunnels that house the Morlocks. We see Caliban entering his bedroom. What are you doing here? Caliban, is that anyways great old friends? Says Callisto. (laughs) Space is Caliban's. You have no right to trespass. Get out. That sounds like Nightcrawler. Well, they all sound the same, Adam. <laughs> I thought we determined that he sounds like Gollum. Oh, I don't remember how Gollum goes. Uh, precious. Space is Caliban's. You have no right to trespass. Get out. Now you sound like, like a classic... Uh, mm, master. Uh, Hanna-Barbera <laughs> cartoon or something. That's perfect. <laughs> Hanna-Barbera only utilized like... Four different voices for all their characters. He's true. He's very true. <laughs> well, uh, Callisto's like, we haven't seen you in a long time, and we wanted to know what was wrong. Caliban's like, Caliban's sad. <laughs> it's nothing. Caliban just wants to be left alone. And Mask comes out. Bah. Mask knows the truth. Still mooning over pretty kitty, are you? Wait, is, is Mask a girl or a boy? I always thought Mask was a girl. He's a guy. Oh, wow. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I've always read him as a guy. What about Plague? Is Plague a girl? Plague's a girl. Okay, well, that's. I'm just getting them confused. Actually, she's a woman. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so he's like, uh, pretty kitty. That's, that's, here's a picture that I somehow have that you have. And you can't have her because you're ugly. <laughs> Shut up! Picture <laughs> Caliban's! Room Caliban's! Go away and leave Caliban in peace! Now! Callisto's like, you'll have to throw us out, your old friends, Mask and Sunder and me, and you, we all formed the Morlocks. We gotta look, af- uh, look out after one another. And Caliban drops to his knees, feel so ashamed! Kitty Pride promised that if Caliban helped the X-Men, she would stay with him forever. For love of her, Caliban betrayed his friends. But she lied. She never returned. <laughs> Callisto's <laughs> trying to take advantage of the situation, and he, she's like, Don't you worry about it. She made you, uh, your heart made you a fool, but we will make sure that uh, she keeps her word. Really? Callisto, no joke? Yay. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> <laughs> be patient, Caliban. Trust me, obey me, and your heart's desire will be mine. Somewhere in here she does say, like, even though Storm's the leader, I still look out after the Morlocks. And then Mask says, Storm boss now, suppose she objects. And that's when Caliban, or Callisto says, then Mask, I get my heart's desire too. Nah, nah, nah. And that's the final interlude, I believe. So we return our attention to the Pacific, where the storm is uh, worsening. You know, these interludes all end very badly. What do you mean? Like, the last panel always doesn't really go anywhere. Oh. I feel like each interlude has ended kind of in the middle of the interlude. Oh, I feel like each interlude here has started a new storyline, except for the Wolverine one. The Wolverine just kind of ended one. Right. Yeah. So I don't have any I, problem. I, I I agree with you, and I I, I like that little but. little little mini cliffhangers, if you will. I just feel like the last panel of each interlude could have been written a little tighter. Uh, 
Yeah. But I'm not providing any examples, so like I'm not going to rewrite them. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, and, and the way the panels are laid out, I actually don't like the fact that the last panel spills onto the next page, and then the majority of the next page is all the Cyclops story. Yeah. I feel like that should all be contained, tightened. But anyways... It doesn't matter. It's still all good. Uh, so they're trying to get the airplane started. Uh, so they get the engines going. The propellers are spinning. Madeline goes out to pull up the anchor, and she realizes it's snagged on something, but that's when a bunch of tentacles come up or a whole bunch of horse, I'm sorry, uh, elephant trunks grab her and pull her underwater. There's an elephant under the water. There's like six of them. Because <laughs> on the next page, all of the trunks pull her down. No, they're tentacles. And so Cyclops sees that and he's like, oh my God. So he gets out of the plane and he jumps into the water to get her. And Octopus Sharkinator says, Garg. Yeah. Good Lord, a tentacle, he thinks to himself. He pulls his glasses off and shoots at the tentacles, which I guess I think frees Madeline. Uh, but he gets snagged by more tentacles. And now everybody has a tan again. What is with the tan? It's a bad coloring month. It's assistant editor's month, Adam. But she doesn't have a tan in the first panel. Well, Louise Jones, no. Who's coloring? Uh, I don't know. Tom Morzachowski? He's lettering. Uh, <laughs> Glynis uh, Ween. I think. Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer is coloring. It was take your daughter to work week. And so they're <laughs> like just trading off pages coloring. I think they should all be gold. <laughs> gold is my favorite color. Okay. <laughs> so we'll, or, uh, Scott is being pulled down by these tentacles. Uh, and I guess Madeline was not freed because she is also grabbed by the tentacles. And now for the first time, we can see that it is a gigantic octopus or squid. Well, Scott says squid at some point, but his name is Octopus Sharkinator. So I don't know. <laughs> I thought squids the size, uh, this size only existed in movies. Live and learn, I guess. Well, Cyclops has clearly not watched a lot of giant squid documentaries that I've watched. Are there really squids this size? Larger. Really? Yeah. Squids with eyes the size of dinner plates, Jeremy. Now you're just making that up. No, that that's legit. Oh, well. There are monster giant squids that we have... Like, we've only ever, I think, captured one on camera, and it was missing a tentacle or something. I'm never going in the ocean again. Well, they, you never see them because they're really, really deep. Yeah, or the people that do see them get eaten by them. If I want to, if I, if I am to die the way that I want to go is by giant squid, I think that would be a great death. You'd be drowning? Well, that'd be painful. Get ripped up by a giant squid. You'd see this giant creature about to eat you with its tiny little beak. And you'd be like, this is glorious. Oh, yeah. Well, Cyclops and Madeline, they don't want to be eaten by a squid beak. Uh, Madeline is able to get herself free after Cyclops uh, shoots with his optic beams again uh, and frees himself too. And as they get... Uh, Madeline gets free, but as Scott is swimming upwards, another tentacle comes around and grabs him by the face, knocking his glasses away. It should be pointed out that Cyclops points out at least three times that his optic blasts are kept in check by his glasses. Yes. Like literally mentions that three times in the thought balloon. Yeah, I, I skipped over a lot of that. It's the same old story. But uh, as the squids, he's like, bad idea, buster. So he opens his eyes so that his optic beams can hit the um, tentacle that's over his eyes, which frees him. He gets up above the water. Madeline's up above the water. Everybody's safe. They're swimming towards the airplane when Cyclops gets tugged at again. God, this thing won't give up. And this time he... he can't actually see, but he assumes that because he's being tugged downwards that the squid is directly beneath him. So he just gives him a full power blast, which seems to work. And Cyclops goes up, but he has no idea how deep he is. Lungs hurt. Almost no breath left. I mustn't panic. That'll finish me for sure. And then he says out loud, air! <laughs> As you do. 
Now what? If I open my eyes to look at the plane, I could destroy it. I'm being grabbed again. Another squid? Ah! And it's Madeline. Scott, stop struggling. It's me. It's Madeline! <laughs> my eyes. We're lucky we're in the lee of the goose. I'm sure that's a nautical term. The water isn't as rough. When we reach the hatch, I'll shove you inside. Then you swim forward to take care of the sea anchor. You mean you think it's like the eye of the storm or something? I think so. Lee of the goose. Who knows? Yes, eye of the storm. So Cyclops, he's able to get himself into the airplane. Eyes still shut. He grabs onto his flight bag where inside is his costume and he's able to put on his uh, mask. Conveniently, he left the flight bag right in front of the door so that he doesn't have to reach around too much. Yeah, well, I mean, he's a good planner. He's a leader, you know. There, this ruby quartz lens gives me complete control over my eye beams. I believe that's the third time he mentions it. If Lynn runs into any more trouble, I'll be able to help properly. So, anchors must be aboard because now the airplane is being shifted back and forth. Uh, Madeline gets on the airplane. She's like, let's go. So he fires on the engines and they make a noise like this. Groon, pucka, 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 blam. <laughs> oh, man, they won't start. This is an airplane, not a submarine. The engines are probably as waterlogged as we are. True, nothing left but to keep trying till we get it right. How about a kiss for luck? Jesus. There's no time for that, you horny bastard. <laughs> <laughs> we just got attacked by a squid. <laughs> I'm turned on. (laughs) (laughs) I have never been so turned on in my life. All of those tentacles. Are you familiar with Japanime? I really should have thought this through before I got married. Pilots never depend on luck. We can kiss, but it's got to be for love. All right. And And, uh, and we're both really good on pilots. Yep. The engine then... Cuts on. Ignition! Wahoo! Catch, you big ugly beast. Catch. Oh, so I guess the propeller started spinning, uh, but the engine wasn't at full power, so it must be sputtering here. And then when they say wahoo is when the engine fully current turns on so the propellers can get them going. Right? Wahoo! We're airborne! They both say in unison. And they and kiss they again. <laughs> Scott, or Scott Love, I hate to spoil an absolutely magnificent moment, but we're out of fuel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we're not out of the woods. So all the instruments are damaged. They have to fly the airplane to an island that's really small. It's going to be hard to find and hard to land on. So there's that. No problem. We'll make it fine. You got my guarantee. Okay, I'm going to dye my hair pink for this next panel. (laughs) Well, that's kind of strange, but all right. Let's go do it, pink-haired girl. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so so being alive has uh, uh, made up my mind about joining my dad in the Star Jammers. He's going off to fight a war. I don't want to fight a war, so I'm staying here. Love (laughs) you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good to me. Cyclops looks over to Madeline, who's now kind of clinging to him, uh, embracing him, rather. And he says, too bad the autopilot isn't working. Oh, my God, you're (laughs) you're ridiculous. You're like a dog with a bone. What's the matter with you? Uh, But she does say, thank heavens for small favors. Tired as I am, though, Scott, I do love you. That's fine, because I love you, too. And off they fly into the moony lit night. Next issue, Sanctions. The panel says, the beginning. There is a memo here from one Heem Schutter over to Louise. Well, I'm going to guess is Louise Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's all like, John Romita Jr., he's a good drawer. And Inkier? Oh my gosh. Who knew? But I don't get it. Why is it that he's being Cyclops is being strangled by an octopus and he's it's causing him to shatter his own logo. I don't get it. That makes sense. I don't like it. It's dumb. I'm Jim Shooter and I don't get it. And when Jim Shooter doesn't get it, he doesn't like it. 
Okay, so, all their cover, cover logos have been shattered, and it does make for an eye-catching graphic design. But in this case, it seems dot, dot, dot strange. Now, here's the thing. I'm not dark shooter, all right? Because <laughs> if I was, I'd be like, fix the logo, right? Am I right? But I'm not. So this is your choice, but yeah, think about it, right? Think about it the shooter makes like blacks the octopus not the logo that's the all, octopus that's all i'm saying don't have I to did a, yeah i even did a sketch right here i <laughs> actually I, I probably commissioned john ramita jr to do the sketch i can't draw <laughs> <laughs> so yes there are two alternate sketches of uh one cyclops shooting up towards the logo but not destroying it and then another where the he's shooting at an octopus who's got him in his clutches I got to admit, I, I have to agree with him on this one. Oh, yeah? I yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I, I think it's, it's pointless to have Cyclops shooting the logo in this particular instance. Like, in all the other times that the logo has been destroyed, it has been... Uh, monumental? Earth, Earth, yeah, it's been monumental. You had the living monolith who was giant and all hell was breaking loose who kind of set that bar for destroying the logo. And then you had Phoenix, obviously. I think those are the only two that I can think of that destroyed the logo. Yeah. So you're right. I mean, this, this issue, this cover, this story doesn't necessarily warrant a destroyed X-Men logo. So, all right, I'll give you that. Not even a very good depiction of destroying the logo. He just cracks it. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's what a, that's what a, uh, uh, editor-in-chief does yeah he writes memos <laughs> <laughs> hey uh, i'm just saying you know i i just work here that somebody thought i was good enough to have this job you know so so what do i know but you know the logo right come on come on this is shooter talking shooter man so it's me. your choice but, but uh you know raises on the line <laughs> raises are coming up and uh, i don't have enough to hand out to everybody to, just people that don't blow up the logo that's all i'm saying that's all i'm saying all right. I guess the Wheeze did not get her bonus because the logo got blown up. It was worth it. <laughs> I hate you, Jim Shooter. Uh, anyway, so yeah, that's that's that. Uh, good good issue. Uh, good good connection stories. I look forward to the. Well, actually, I don't really look forward to the Morlock stories because for most part, I don't really care for them. But I do look forward to the Valerie Cooper storyline. That's one of my favorites. Okay. Uh, we did get some communication. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, we got an uh, email <clears throat> from Andrew Torkelson. He said that he has recently acquired an almost full run of Uncanny X-Men. So I'm wondering if he actually means, like, issue uh, 142 and on, or if he means, like, the whole damn thing. Because that means he has X-Men number one. Mm, I'm going to go with... Mm, I don't know. So, anyways, he's he's been slowly working his way through the issues. Uh, he's tried all the other X-Men commentary podcasts out there, and he has to say that he looks forward to hearing what we have to say about each an issue uh, the most, by far. And there, are, there are other podcasts about the X-Men? I had no idea. I didn't either, but apparently there's another message that we're going to read here in a moment that, that, that uh, uh, quantifies the uh, additional podcasts out there. Whoa. I know. So, anyways, Andrew appreciates our linear reading, our witty commentary, and care to avoid spoilers, which, which, uh, well, he also goes on to say, my only regret is that it's going to be a while before I catch up. So, greetings from the future. Uh, clearly, you haven't listened to some of our later things where we do inadvertently spoil some things, but, you know, we do try hard to, to keep things fresh. Here's the thing. We like to spoil plots that aren't going to happen for like 10 years. <laughs> that we don't have a problem. We try to keep like the next 10 issues, like keep that stuff under wraps so that maybe if you haven't read it, it can be a surprise. Uh, but yeah, I mean, when we're starting to talk about Civil War and uh, uh, House of M and stuff, I just feel like by the time we actually cover that material, you'll either not be listening anymore or you'll have forgotten so yeah there's no way you're gonna remember us having talked about it yeah i can't even remember what we talked about three issues ago so i can't even remember what we talked about earlier this episode <laughs> what who, issue is this <laughs> who are you and why am i talking to you on my computer i don't know 
Uh, anyways, uh, yes, just turned into an episode of the Memento podcast. <laughs> Next issue, Adam, we're doing the whole thing backwards. All right. Cool. <laughs> yeah, anyways, thank you and keep up the good work. Um, <clears throat> we also got a comment on the Facebook from John Wilson. He says that our arch nemesises, nemesi, nemesi, over at X Aspirations told me never to listen to your show. So I've downloaded your first few episodes. Shh, don't tell them. Well, Adam, I was unaware, just as you were, that there were other X-Men podcasts. And I was I... certainly unaware that we had Nemesis. Nemesis. Nemesis? Ne- Nemesis. <laughs> so if they're, Necessity. if they're the Nemesis, uh, I call that we're the X-Men and that they're the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Okay. <laughs> Dibs. Good with that. Done. So anyways, John uh, M. Wilson, we won't tell them, but, you know, it's all good. There's plenty of room for X-Men podcasts in this overcrowded podcast landscape, but we hope that we can keep you as a listener. Yeah. And tell your friends. And uh, we also got a message on the Facebook from somebody whose uh, n- name escapes me at the moment okay because i closed the thing (laughs) i don't know what you're talking about so i can't help you he enjoyed all of the u2 references that we pepper through the shows oh yeah that I, i i did read that um and i don't remember his name let's call him bono (laughs) (laughs) so bono uh, we are somewhat, I guess, of U2 fans. Uh, and Adam, I wanted to ask you a question since he brought it up, not me. It was him that brought it up. Uh, what did you think of the latest album? Honestly, I listened to it once and I was like, meh. Adam? Then, yeah, keep going. And then and then I saw them do an acoustic uh, performance of two of the songs. And I was like, ah, that, that song's actually pretty good. And then I went back and listened to that song again, and it's not as good as the acoustic version. And uh, so, yeah, I'm sorely disappointed. There was Sean uh, Golly, who whose uh, avatar or whatever you want to call it on Facebook is Deadpool, a Lego Deadpool. Um, give it, a, give it another try. I, I am in the same boat as you. You know, when when the whole thing came out, when it was released on the iPods, and everybody who had an iDevice product had the album, and everyone's like, "This is an outrage! How dare you give me free music?" Um, <laughs> I was like, "Give it to me!" Like I, I am a huge U2 fan, and I listened to No Line on the Horizon, and I, I like tried to get myself to like it, and I didn't like it. It turns out, uh, but I did go to the one of the shows on the tour, and that was that was a lot of fun. Uh, but when I got this album, the first listen through, I was like, meh. Just like you, meh. It just felt like U2 by the numbers. Kind of. And then there was a couple of songs where they try something new and it, it for the first time, it really doesn't work that they're trying something new. Whereas normally when U2 tries something new, you're like, wow, this is, this is cool. At least it sounds cool. So my only, my only suggestion is uh, try it again. From start to right. finish. I, I will. I liked one song. I can't remember which one it is. And the, the only reason I say this is because I'm a convert. There's some nitpicks that I've got uh, on certain songs that, that really do irritate me. But I think by the time I got to like the third listen through, I was like, I was digging it. And there is actually a, a deluxe set that has uh, acoustic versions of everything that they recorded for that album, which is also fun if you like acoustic music. So people out there that are also YouTube fans that got this album were like, eh, I was there. I was with you. I was also a very meh person, but I'm kind of a convert. I'm kind of, I kind of dig that. And every now and then a couple of songs like pop into my head. So I'm off my soapbox. Well, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you got the U2 itch. You feel like listening to some U2. You, you go over to your, uh, your your CD share rack or whatever it is or Spotify or whatever. What album do you put on? Mm. Is it this one? That's a really good question because I don't really do that that often. 
Um, but I would be honest, like the last few times I've listened to you 2 it has been that latest album. Now, what I did a while ago was I, I kind of went through, I was like, I'm going to listen to all of the albums from start to finish. Um, and I got to the Atomic Bomb album. Oh, I hate that album. <laughs> I, I really liked it when it came out, or at least I really wanted myself to like it because <laughs> I listened to it again. I'm like, I, I don't like it. Like there's maybe two good songs on there, but the like everything is irritating on that song on that album. <laughs> so, and then I listened to um um All That You Can't Leave Behind, and I realized like 50% of that album is just like filler. Yeah, I still like that one though. But the other 50% is like brilliance. Well, that's that's like pop too. Yeah. <laughs> pop was exactly the same. No. No, it there wasn't. Was, there, there, Negative. The, the last Four or five songs on pop are really good. No. And the whole first half of the album is filler. No, it's garbage. I like Wake Up Dead Man uh, from that album, and that's the only song I like on that album. However, I like many of the re-recordings they did for singles once they kind of like, I don't know, reproduced them and re-engineered the songs. That I'll give you. But that album, like as it stands, is a stinker. So oh. There you go. If anybody wanted some U2 talk, they just got it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the first album, when's the last time you listened to the first album, Adam? Uh, 10 years ago? I have no idea. Absolutely. And you never think like, I'm going to listen to Boy, because why would you listen to Boy? But as I was going through my like linear listen to, I was like, boy, this <laughs> this album is actually pretty good. There are some really strong tracks on there. I listened to a lot of the pre-Boy singles. Yep. before. I, like I used to listen to those a lot. Yeah, I, but, don't, I don't think I've listened to any of those. They, they've all made it there onto like that that greatest hits collection, B sides or whatever. Okay, I'm sure I've heard them. I've just not like played them in sequence or whatever, or recognize that I'm listening to a pre boy song single. I think I think I downloaded a torrent of all of the B sides and those were on them. Oh, I'm I'm sure I have that as well. So, anyways, there you go. That's everything we got. So if you want to join in the conversation, it doesn't always have to be X-Men people. It could be a band. It could be a movie. But we generally prefer it to be X-Men related. Uh, email us, dangerroom at redcapproductions.com or visit us at facebook.com forward slash dangerroompodcast. You can follow us at dangerroomgo. Uh, you can dial us up on your Stitcher. We're on that app if anybody uses that anymore. Or you can go to iTunes, you can type Danger Room, we're the first podcast with that name that comes up. You can subscribe, leave a comment, what have you. Or you can go out to www.xmenpodcast.com where all of the links and episodes and comments and all that sort of stuff can be had. Uh, or you can leave us a voicemail, 501-GET-X-MEN, and then uh, yeah, you can be on the podcast. Adam, did you do any additional reading? I read New Mutants number 10, oh. which uh, we learn a little bit more about Celine. Okay. she We learn that she is a mutant, and she is sacrificing girls in... Well, the New Mutants are in uh, the Amazon right now, and they've discovered a Roman civilization. And so she is sacrificing uh, Roman girls, and she goes to sacrifice Amara... And Danny Moonstar, and when she sacrifices Amara, it, the issue ends with her rising out of the uh, lava that she just fell into as magma. Oh my god! Hey, why are they why are they in the Amazon or wherever you said they were? The professor decided that they needed a a break from the rigor moral of mutant life after Shan disappeared. Okay, so Shan's and, still uh, dead. So Shan's still dead. Okay. And um, they're off with Bobby's mother. Bobby Drake? Oh, no, no Roberto. Roberto. Got it. Okay. So that's, that's what's going on there. All right. I read Alpha Flight number five, which was uh, kind of the introduction of Puck, in which we learned that he's called Puck because he rolls like a Puck. I, it didn't make any sense to me. I don't quite understand it. I thought it was just because he was short. but He keeps saying... Look at me, I'm Puck. I do things that Pucks do. And then he spins around and I'm just like, what? Oh, okay. I don't get it. Um, he, he is in the hospital because he got sliced open and now 
he he stops he busts up a drug uh thing in the hospital a, a drug syndicate okay by some by some evil doctor and then i read defenders number 126 which was actually really good i was surprised and i'll i'll probably take a little more time on this one but it was a uh, it opens with a uh, at shield and they're talking about how the secret empire is back and nick fury suspects that they have uh infiltrated shield and then the defenders go home and angel is flying uh what is her name moon dragon i think yeah moon dragon and he's like hitting on her and stuff and he's thinking to himself there's something extremely attractive about you moon dragon I wonder what's lying beneath that ice goddess exterior. And then we cut to Bobby Drake and he's looking back at the two of them and he's thinking to himself, there's something really attractive about Moondragon. I wonder what's lying beneath that ice goddess exterior. And it's hilarious. Not that I'll ever find out. Looks like old Warren the smoothie is mustering up that Worthington charm and moving in for the kill. What's with that guy anyway? He's got a terrific gal like Candy Southern and he still can't stop trying to mesmerize every, every woman he, and then he runs into a water tower because <laughs> he's still looking back. <laughs> um, then we cut to the uh, syndicate, or what, are, what is it? The, uh, what did I say it was? The secret empire where they talk about do what you must. Number seven. Yeah. There's the secret empire. I'm number one. <laughs> yes. With Cobra commander and the whole, yeah, yeah, yeah. No longer looking, he's looking more like Cobra Commander in the secret armor. Than, oh. uh, he no longer has the hood. Does he have like the 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 faceless faceplate thing? He's still in shadow right now. Oh, okay. But, but he's definitely wearing some serious armor. Okay. Whoever he is. Uh, somebody escapes from S.H.I.E.L.D. and then we cut over back to the defenders discussing what, who is going to become like whether they're going to be a team or they're going to be a leader, who's going to the leader going to be that sort of thing. Um, it's kind of a ridiculous Like beast is on the kitchen table, eating a burger on one hand with his feet balanced up in the air. Uh, Bobby Drake is sitting at the table wearing nothing but his underpants and boots and like, gloves. Sure. <laughs> like he does. And, uh, angel thinks to himself, I wonder what it's like kissing someone who's bald. And we cut over to Bobby, and he's thinking to himself, I wonder what it's like kissing someone who's bald. <laughs> oh. Um, Beast and Valkyrie fight over who should be the leader, and the angel gets mad. And he's like, that's it. That's it. If you two want to argue like two-year-olds, be my guest. But if this is what's in store for the new defenders, then you can count the angel out. Mm. Then he's, he thinks to himself, I didn't mean to blow up like that, but blast it, they were acting like particularly black backward kindergarten class. We're not adolescent X-Men anymore. These petty fights and ego games may have been par for the course in the old days. During the weeks I spent in the savage land, I finally found a real sense of self, of, of self, of purpose. No more vacillating playboy for the sky, playboy of the skies for Warren Worthington III. I want to do something meaningful with my powers, my life. I thought the new defenders would be the right place to find that meeting. Maybe I was wrong. Then there's a caption that says, see upcoming Marvel fanfare. But this issue came out in 1983 and the Savage Land series that we covered of Marvel fanfare with Angel in it came out in 1982. And I looked ahead in Marvel fanfare and there are no Angel stories in the Savage Land. So I don't know what, what they're talking about. Huh. A story that never was maybe. Well, I feel like they're referring to when Angel was in the Savage Land, but I don't know. Huh? All right. Unless he, he visited again. Then he thinks to himself, and well, you're putting down adolescent behavior, Warren. How about your own? You and Candy Southern have built as solid, as deep a relationship as two people can. Yeah, you take one look at Moondragon and your glands go on automatic. The old mind starts ticking off the plans for conquest. Isn't it time to put those childish games away with the rest of enter villain? And then they fight the villain and the defenders form together. Uh, they all go after the villain one at a time, um, accomplishing nothing. And uh, Iceman, of course, 
the the villain is giant and Iceman puts a big block of ice over his head. Well, guess what happens, Jeremy? He busts through the block of ice. Hey, you got it. Oh, my God. It's like I read the issue, (laughs) but I I didn't read the issue. Um, Angel at some point says, the reason we're not winning is because we need to act as a team. And then they act as a team and they win. And then it turns out that all of the agents of the secret syndicate the secret empire, secret empire. escaped from shield during this so this whole thing was subterfuge and that's it huh. it was it was actually quite enjoyable i had a good time what uh issue did you say that was it was 126 and how much longer do we have uh until secret wars 2 that feels like 86 secret wars <clears throat> 2 yeah i don't know why do you ask that? I don't want to spoil anything. We haven't even gotten to Secret Wars 1. Well, I'm just wondering because there's a <laughs> there's a big tie-in with the Defenders in Secret Wars 2. Well, right now this is the new Defenders. Well, the new Defenders. Or the nude Offenders. The new Defenders? <laughs> wow. I would like to collect that comic book. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else? Bobby Drake has yet to make the Marvel uh, head space on the cover. The little little Marvel box. But Angel's already made it. And Bobby's been in the issue the the comic longer than Angel. Well, Angel's more of a draw than Iceman. I guess so. Mm. So that that's all I read this week. All right. Well, I don't have anything else to you. Not as of this exact second right now. How about now? No, still no. no. Uh now? Uh, wait, wait, wait. No. Okay. Uh, what about now? Uh, I thought I had something, but then you started talking and I forgot. Oh, sorry. My, my bad. Um, okay. Well then, uh, until next time, my name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. What about now? Uh, my name's Adam. Oh, the danger room is closed.